If you would turn with me to James chapter 4 in your Bibles, James chapter 4. If for any reason, for some reason, uh, I can't help you write the second, but if you find that you do not have a, a Bible, a Bible that you're able uh, and to uh, have and read, please let us know so that we can make sure that you have that. But uh, James chapter 4, and we're going to start where we left off. Where we left off was verse 6, so here we go. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. As I mentioned earlier this morning, that we're beginning a three-part message about humbling before healing. I uh, refer to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, that puts that really in a sense that humbling happens before the healing. We want God to heal our land, but first, if my people will humble themselves. But that's not the only place. In fact, that's not the only place we see that pattern in scriptures, even within here in James chapter 4 and verse 10. Look with me there and you see the promise. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and then he will lift you up. But it's not just there. It's other places, like in 1 Peter chapter, like in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we see in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble happens. Humbling happens then the healing, then the lifting up or whatever is the need. And as I mentioned, this fits today, not just as an application for our country and what we need, recognizing that, well, even though we say it's our, what our country needs, it is us who needs to humble ourselves, his people. But also as it deals with our very lives or what we're looking for God to do, something that we've been praying for or something we're wondering why isn't God. And sometimes it's because humbling is before healing. It's not some extra spiritual thing for extra spiritual Christians to do. This is essential to the Christian life. It's what God is commanding us here to do. Humble yourselves. I just read in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord. The problem is we don't fully understand what that means. I mean, we kind of get an idea that as soon as we start saying, I think I'm pretty humble. That we know that now we're no longer humble. As soon as we think we're humble, then we've kind of messed that up. We got that part. You know, we, we unfortunately have limited our definition of what it means to humble ourselves to not being boastful or proud. I mean, that's basically what we think. That's it. But that's only a very small part of what it means to humble ourselves before the Lord. So we're going to dig a little deeper in these verses over the next few weeks. In fact, uh, that first Sunday in February, we're going to have another one of our, our prayer events to really put this into practice. And even today, you have an opportunity to put it into practice, what we're hearing God say to us and move into us and see that he would revive us again. And we're going to look at each week at, at kind of a basic principle. And the basic principle today is that we need to come completely to the Lord. That humbling for, before healing happens when we realize that we need to come completely to the Lord. 
Now, what does that mean? How does that work itself out? We're going to look at two different aspects of that today, two different ways that we can uh, break that down, so to speak. And the first one is that we must submit fully to God. Notice in our passage in James chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's talking about being humble here. But in that talking about humble, he then goes into verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves to God. That's the first thing. To come completely to God versus to submit ourselves fully to God. And to submit yourself is to put yourself under authority, under the control of another one who has power over us, who rules over us as our master, as our boss, as our Lord, fully submitting with an attitude that says, not my will, but yours be done. Our submission to God begins with our salvation. A humbleness that admits that we not only have sinned, but we are sinners. I, I tell you, when I, long ago, that was where I had the problem. I it was going to church, I was hearing the things and, and understanding that, yes, I'd sinned. I mean, nobody's perfect. And that wasn't just saying it. I mean, I knew that there were things I wasn't perfect. And yet, for some reason, it, it took that moment where I recognized in a humbleness that came upon me that God showed that it's not just that I sinned or I did sin. I was a sinner. And I needed saving. And we have to get to that point where we humble ourselves, recognizing we cannot do it ourselves. We cannot get to heaven. And so we need to submit our life to him who gave his life for us on the cross, receiving forgiveness and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. If that's something that you have not yet done, if you have not taken that step, please, do that. Talk to one of us who are here that you might know for certain about that. But that's not where it stops. We don't stop with just Jesus being our Savior. He is the Lord. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Coming completely to Christ means submitting to his reign, his rule as king, as master, complete control. And sometimes in all this discussion, Christians will say, we, you need to, or we need to make Jesus our Lord. I, I've probably said that. And I know what is meant by that, but reality, that whole concept, here's the reality. Jesus is Lord. We don't really need to make Jesus Lord. He already is Lord. He is not just Lord of all, he's Lord of me. Whether or not I want to admit that and acknowledge that does not matter. He is Lord. And instead, what needs to happen is we must humble ourselves, which includes submitting ourselves fully to the one who is the Lord of Lords, who is the King of Kings, because if we do not humble ourselves, then we got a serious problem. Verse 6 tells us that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. The word oppose there means to take military action against, to line up for battle, to wage war. God wages war upon those who will not humble themselves. That's not good. 
It's not good for us to oppose God. It's not good for him to be opposing us. That's not a good place to be. In fact, a moment ago, uh, as we think through this, uh, thinking about Philippians chapter 2, because one day, one way or the other, it's going to be clear, Jesus is Lord. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 10 and 11, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, we often take this verse and we apply it to those who are not believers in Christ. And how one day, one way or the other, they will not just acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. They will have to bow their knees to him and submit to his lordship. They will not have a choice to submit to the lordship of Christ. And unfortunately, they will not have a choice to change their fate will already have been sealed. Now, some of us say, yes, that's true. Amen. But let's not forget that this verse applies to all of us. It says every knee will bow. Every knee. That includes ours. And I am not convinced that everyone who says that they are a believer in Christ is living with their knees bowed and their tongues confessing that Christ is Lord. Maybe Savior, you don't want to talk about this, but how many are truly living with our knees bowed to Christ in every moment of the day? You know, there are a lot of people who say, Jesus is my co-pilot. I got some news for you. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He doesn't want to be your co-anything. That's not humbling ourselves before the Lord. Okay, sure, we listen occasionally to the co-pilot. Occasionally we seek his help with something. But you don't submit to a co-pilot if you're in the captain's chair. This is not a partnership with Jesus. Rather, we need to take our seat in the back. Because Jesus is the pilot, the co-pilot, the navigator, and the owner of the plane. Jesus is Lord. And we are not, that's not someone that we go, we don't go to Jesus asking for advice for which direction we should go or what we should be doing. If we are following him, it's up to him. Oh, and you say, oh, no, I'm, I'm following Christ. I'm following. Yeah, a lot of times we're following Christ the way he wants to go because that also happens to be the way we want to go. When he is Lord is when he says turn right and we want to go left. We submit to Jesus' control. When we do that, there is only one answer to anything that he asks of us or says, and that is yes, Lord. Not let me think about it or, yeah, I, I will eventually. The only answer to those who humble themselves before him is, yes, Lord. We cannot claim that Jesus is our king and yet remain in control of every decision that we're making. Now, I know that many of us don't see ourselves in open rebellion to God. It's not like, well, I just don't want to say no to God. We don't see ourselves as that. We, we don't see ourselves as not submitting to God in, in, in different areas because Oh, we just don't even think about it. It's not, 
it's not that I, I'm trying to rebel against God. I just didn't even think about that that's an area that I should submit to him in or that I should have asked him first or I should have, I, 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 I didn't do it on purpose. But that also means that we didn't choose on purpose to submit to him. That also means that we have not humbled ourselves before him in that area. We've obviously chosen not to recognize that Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now we know that, we hear that, but by our submission to him, are we showing that we believe that apart from Christ we can do nothing? Or is it just certain things we can't do without Christ? I, I know we're right about this time. This is tough to take. I mean, you know, we're independent. We're self-reliant or for all that matters. I just wanted a nice religious message. And, you know, and I don't want to be confronted. This is where we're at in James. This was the next thing. I know how we are. But it makes it difficult for us to truly submit to Jesus if we just want to be real religious but not completely humble ourselves fully before Him. This humble submission is not a one-time bowing of our knee before Jesus, somehow making the statement... Say, oh, I'm humble before, I'm humble before Jesus. I'm, bow, I'm, I'm, I'm bowing before Jesus, showing that I'm with him. I'm on your side, Jesus. That doesn't prove that he's Lord. That doesn't prove that he's king. Depending on what happens every day, every hour, is our knee bowing in complete dependence to him for all these things. But more than that, is our knee every day, every hour, every minute, bowing in complete obedience to him. Just because we call him Lord, just because we use the name and say Lord Jesus does not mean he is our Lord. Now that sounds a little harsh, but technically I didn't say it. Jesus did. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? You know, let, let's get serious here. I'm just going to say, Lord Jesus, Lord, Lord. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm religious. I mean, I'm really meaning it here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I'm not Lord. If you're not doing what I'm saying, to submit is to literally subject to God like a soldier who is subjecting to. Obey his commanding officer at all times, even if the officer is not right there. To just only obey in the presence of authority is not submission to that authority. Just because they're right there or they can see you or they're going to know. It is not something we turn off and on in our obedience, in our dependence, in our submission Rather, it is something that is 24-7, 365, fully submitted. What is, it that, what is that area in your life that is not fully submitted to Christ? 
whether there's things that you know that you're not supposed to be doing or there's things that you should be doing. And maybe it's not just that. It's an attitude that you shouldn't or should be having. Whatever it is. And I know that some of those things in our minds are really no big deal. They're just something small, little thing. It's just a small thing. It really doesn't matter compared to other things. I mean, I have victory over. It's just a small thing. And so we put it off, truly surrendering, truly humbling ourselves in that area. That no matter how small it is, in that one place, that one small thing, that for that little bit of time, we are standing up in opposition to Jesus instead of kneeling down in submission fully to him. What are those areas that we're standing and not kneeling? To submit to Jesus as king is not just to obey, but to bow as a servant to the king. Anywhere, anytime, any cost. Now we're willing. We say we depend on him. We, we say we obey him, but serving him Sure, when it's convenient, when I don't have a conflict, when there are not more important things to do. This is the king. We, the king has, doesn't just have people who decide when they're going to do and what they're going to do. They're servants. We're not called merely just to be good. We're called to do good. To do good works, Ephesians 2 verse 10. And while we acknowledge that our surrender to Christ means that we will obey him, we need to recognize that this is not something that can be done in our own strength. All that I'm talking about here is not something to be done in our own power. Yes, we need to make a decision. Yes, we have to take that step, but understand that it is Christ in us that will help us, that will bring us to that spot where we can do that. There are times that we really do want to obey God in everything, but we find that we're falling short. And we will always fall short in our own strength. That's why the Holy Spirit was given to us. And I hope that you know the power, the fullness of the Spirit, and then you can know that so that you can obey all that Christ wants fully. God did not put us in a situation where he asked us to do something, but then didn't give us the power to do it. We must submit fully to God, but there's another aspect to this coming completely. Another uh, angle, if you will, and our second point in that we must surrender all. In a sense, to humble ourselves, we must surrender all. Uh, Surrender is, is a word that's used in some of the other versions of the same place where submit is. So it's just a different way of looking at it. In fact, Surrender is what Jesus has called us each to. He says, if you're going to follow me in the Gospels, each of the Gospels, if you're going to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. When you deny yourself completely, you take up your cross going to die, that is surrendering all. There is no, hey, take up some religious stuff and, you know, do good works. And no, this is about a surrendering of all. So in a sense, and it doesn't originate with me, but in a sense, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. I mean, just look at the first and greatest commandment. What is it about? You shall love the Lord your God. And here's one of the places, Luke 10, 27. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. It's all that he wants from us. Our love to him has to be all, surrendering all, with all, holding nothing back. Romans chapter 6 says, Do not offer your part any part of yourself to sin as instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself, every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Surrendering all it, it can be something we say is hard to grasp or should we say hard to let go of, surrendering all. We're, we're not just in it religiously. We're not just using Jesus as a fire escape. Uh, we really do want to commit to Jesus. We really do want to serve him. We're, we, we want to be serious. But when we start talking about surrendering all, we wrestle with that. That's a tough choice, we say. Although the reality is it really shouldn't be that tough of a choice for those who know Jesus as Savior and Lord because surrendering our life is not hard because it's not ours. You know what I mean? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. So there's a sense that we're talking about surrendering all of our life to Jesus. It's not about giving him something that belongs to us. Oh, I'm going to have to let go of this. It's mine. I got to. No, you are not your own. Nothing about you is your own. You have been bought with a price. We are not our own. There is nothing that really is. It all belongs to Jesus. The question is whether we are going to keep a hold of the keys and just us do it or whether we're going to surrender, surrender it all to him. Think about it this way. Imagine that you buy a house and that's not too hard to imagine for us. It doesn't seem like it's that long ago and it was a long process, but we got a house and everything goes right. Everything goes perfect. All right. So just so you know, the closing happens, all the financing, everything comes together and one of the things they do is you sign all the things as you leave, and then they give you the keys to your new home. And so you take those keys to your new home, and you, and you head out to the house. You open up the door, unlock the front door, open up the door, and oh, this is our home. And you start looking around, and, and uh, then you notice it just it takes you back a little bit. It doesn't upset you completely, but you notice the, the basement door is locked. There's a lock on the basement door. That's okay. That's okay. We got these keys. You go through all the keys and none of them opens the basement door. Lock. None of them were open that. Well, there must be some mistake. Obviously, they forgot to put that key on there. So we'll just contact the realtor or or maybe you actually have contact with them. Try to get that key. And so you, you contact them and they say, oh, no, that's no mistake. We still have stuff down there that we're going to keep down there. And... The fact is, the new place we moved into doesn't have as much room to do some of the work that we need to do. We got some work projects that we're going to do, so we're just going to work down there. But, but listen, don't worry, because we'll come in the basement door. 
you know, obviously we're not going to come in the door upstairs and, you know, it's your house after all. We'll just come in the basement door, come and go. But is it your house? If they've got the basement locked off and you can't, you, you just bought the house, you just paid for it and you can't access because they have a key that's locked. That just doesn't sound right, does it? And if you're starting to follow with me where we are with Jesus and what we're doing, there are those who, out of religion, like having Jesus around. They want Jesus to come and visit. They invite him over for when they need help with certain things. But there are those, really, that do recognize that we need more than just religion. We need a relationship with Jesus. And just as Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone comes and answers the door, opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And so there are those of us who recognize, you know what? I I need to invite Jesus into my life. And and we welcome him in not only as a guest but as a friend. In in fact, uh, it's more than that. I mean, we really are, are, are... want to be you know feel close to jesus and so we say hey jesus i got a key for you i want to give you a key to my house the front door uh yeah i I know i you know the ruler thing some people might think that's because i might want it back someday or i don't want you to lose it but uh, no really it's jesus it's because you're the ruler i am giving you the key to my front door and so we give Jesus the, the key to the, the front door of our house, so to speak, and, and he can come, and, and we hope that he'll come many times, just be with us. And, uh, but here's the thing. Is he really the ruler? Because there are other rooms in our house that he doesn't have access to. It's not necessarily that we're trying to, hey, Jesus, don't go there. But those doors are closed and locked. But we come to a place where we recognize, you know what, I, I need to give more of, more to Jesus. I, I, need, I, uh, I need to give Jesus more. And so I really need to surrender. To, that's what we say is I really need to surrender. We've come to those places. And so, okay, Jesus, I just, I'm, I'm, I know you're here. You got the front door, but listen, there's a whole bunch of other keys. He gave him a whole keys. And, and it seems like a good start, except... You know that there's some other keys that you still haven't given him, like that, uh, like that skeleton key. You know that skeleton key to the closet where your skeletons are. In other words, the things of your past. Not necessarily just something that you did, but something that was done to you. Something about the past that you, you really want to just keep locked up. You don't want anybody to just deal with you don't necessarily even deal with it. you just kind of have it in your house it's been with you for years that you don't want to let go of that you certainly don't want to give that key to jesus and let's be real i pulled out one skeleton key most of us most of us have a whole bunch of skeleton keys of things from the past of closets that we've got stuff in that we're not emptying But we give them to Jesus eventually. Because here's the thing. Whatever it was from that past, whatever those skeletons are, the healing's not going to happen until we humble ourselves and give him the key. Surrender all to him. 
But let's face it, that's not the only place, is it? Because even we ourselves are holding back a, a, a key. We got a key that we're holding back from the basement room. Now, unless you go down there, you don't even know that there's a room in the basement. But we're holding back this key from Jesus to the basement room. In fact, for anybody, we don't want anybody to go in there. That's one of those places that, you know, private, keep out type of thing. Maybe you'd be even a little ashamed if somebody went in there. But even more than that, we just don't want to give up the key to that room. We've given up a lot of keys to Jesus. We've given him a whole lot of our life. But I'm just going to hold on to this one. It's just a little thing. It's just a thing that, that it's just a room that I, I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't, but, and eventually I'll give him the key, but. And yet if we would humble ourselves, surrender it all, give him that key, he could come in and clean up that room. It would not be something to be ashamed of. If he would give him that key to that room, No longer would it be a secret room away where we're, we're struggling with. Instead, Jesus would have ownership of that room. Jesus would be able to help us in that room. He would be able to bring healing where it is desperately needed. But there are rooms in your house. Even if you've given and surrendered, you say there are still those places that nobody goes to except you. Maybe it's not that, though. Maybe you need to give Jesus the the key. Yeah, this is it. The keys to the garage. Now, I know there's a whole bunch here, but, you know, in the garage, there's got all these things that have locks. You know, I've got it in this and that and that. So there's all this stuff in the garage. Jesus, all right, fine. I... I know I got stuff stored out there in the garage, and these are not necessarily bad things. They're good things. There's, there's nothing wrong with what's in the garage. The problem is we don't. There's certain things that we don't want to surrender over to Jesus, because He might ask us to give them up. He might ask us to clean out the garage. There's nothing wrong with some of that stuff. But what if He asks us to clean it out? Maybe even. An, actual physical things that you might be thinking of those things in the garage that pull us away from our first love that jesus of jesus where we end up spending more time in the garage than we do with him our surrender is not just all to jesus it is only to jesus could it be that there is a little piece of our heart that it, whether it's held by someone else or we are holding back from giving to Jesus. There's that peace, in a sense, that, that key that we're not letting go of. That's holding us back from loving him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Or perhaps we're holding... Onto a key 
it really is something that's not bad at all. It's something that's good. It's just something that we want to keep our hands on. It's something that we don't want to let go of. It may be a hope or a dream, and maybe it's not a hope or dream for you. It's for someone else that this hope and dream that you have. Not that you haven't talked to Jesus about it, but you're keeping the key. Maybe it's a personal desire or plan for your life. Maybe it's actually something much more personal than that, a person in our life. And we don't have any problem. Here's the thing. We can get to the point where we don't have a problem saying to the Lord, I surrender my life to you. My life is yours. Do whatever you want. Take me. I'm yours. I am yours, Lord. I'm willing to surrender my life, literally, to you, Lord. But don't ask me to surrender my family. Don't ask me to surrender what? I'm going to keep a hold of that key. Sure, I, I want you, Jesus, to come into that room and to help sometimes with this, but, but I feel like I just can't let go and surrender that key to you right now. The responsibility or the love or whatever we're, we're saying to ourselves and the excuses of not surrendering all to Jesus do we really think the key is better off in our hands than it is in his? We will not find the healing that we're holding out for by holding on to fear about letting go to Jesus everything. To come completely to Christ, to surrender all, to walk in faith to the King of kings and Lord of lords and let him hold all the keys. Whatever that takes, that means just fine. Lord, I really do humble. I surrender all. Let's take the blinders off. The house and everything in it does not belong to us. And technically, it never did. Our life, all these things, they were never really ours. We were slaves to sin and to Satan, who wants us to resist what's being told here about surrendering. But it says here in verse 7 that we are the ones that, as you read on, that we're the ones that need to resist him, to humble ourselves, bowing to the new ownership and being servants of Christ, who has not come to be the guest's, in our house, but to be the master of our home, of our life, the one who must have full access to everything and complete control over all. And I want to give you that opportunity to do that right now. And I know some of you are going to say, well, I've done that. Uh, here's the thing. It's not a one-time commitment. It's not a one-time surrendering. It is a process. It is something that continues to need to happen. In fact, for many of us, yeah, in that moment, we got down our knees and in a real sincere way, we fully submitted. We surrendered to Christ. But then when we got back up, we took a key with us. 
There's something that we did not let go of. Or there's new things that come into our life that, that God or just new things that he reveals that other areas that he does not have control over. And we need to submit every day, every hour, every minute to surrender all to him. So I want to lead us in prayer and then we're going to sing together this song, I Surrender All, just a cappella, the worship team. I had them just to stay in their seats during this time so that they too can participate. Now this moment can just be a, I can't wait until the service is over, or it can be, I can't wait until I'm over. I'm done. And surrender. Father, help us. Holy Spirit, come, fall upon us. Melt our hearts, break our hearts. That we would be humble before you in such a way that we come completely to you, submitting fully and surrendering all. Lord, put within us not only that burning desire and that willingness, but more than that, recognizing all that those things are. Emptying our pockets, so to speak, of all the keys. Holding on to nothing but giving you everything.